there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. Do you know what you need to charge for voiceover work today? Joining us is Bill DeWeese, one of the most trusted coaches in the voiceover field who can speak to the business side of voiceover like no one else. Now today we'll be exploring setting rates as a newcomer to voiceover, building your portfolio, and whether or not talent should ever work for free. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Stephanie, it's it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So wonderful to see you. It's always good. And I know, Bill, that you are just going to bring it today. It's going to be so much fun. And for <laughs> well, anyone who is like This setting, is a landmine, so this ought to be interesting. I know. It's the best topic ever. And, <laughs> it, and it, it honestly is a confusing one for a lot of people. So yeah. really glad that you're here and that you have the business mindset also to address this from. Uh, we're going to learn so much today. So um, first question for you, Bill, like, you know, it's so hard to get your first job and, you know, a lot of talent are like, well, how do I go about doing this? Like, do I work for free? Do I like just set a rate and hope someone pays me it? Um, you got to build a portfolio as a voice talent and it's not easy. So, so how do you go about getting your first job or at least the first piece of work that you can add to your portfolio? Well, as you, as you said, it's not easy. It's just because you hang a shingle in, out front that says voice talent doesn't mean that the world will beat a path to your door, obviously. Then that's why people like you exist, to create the bridge between those who are looking for voice talent and those who have it. But even then, it takes some work, whether it's auditioning, marketing, and so forth. So in the meantime, how do you, yeah, how do you build portfolio or credit? You know, the idea of giving your voice away for free, it's its an interesting <laughs> and touchy situation. And I, I'm not going to dance around it. I, I will give you my, my take on it. I think there, there's a couple of things. The first one is there's a saying, an old saying that is, um, nobody wants a free puppy. It's like, the, and you've probably heard the old, you know, the old story of somebody who puts a box of puppies out and says, take a puppy, they're free. Everybody walks past, nobody wants it. And then, they, then later they put a sign up that said, puppies, $100 each. And people line up to buy them because all of a sudden they see value in it. So there is, if you market yourself as somebody who's trying to push a free product, hey, let me help you out. I'll do that for free. Where you're kind of the pursuer that really positions you in a very weak way. People will never, they'll never view you as a professional talent if that's the way you market and, and pursue the work. But that being said, I think there are times and there are times when I have volunteered my services for organizations who have approached me, who I believe they're a good organization and they're nonprofit and what they're doing will be beneficial. And I don't do it all the time and I just can't do it all the time. But I, when I can, I do help. So on occasion, I'll do it free, but I don't market myself as a free talent. And I think that's the distinction between the two scenarios. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking about um, all of the different ways that talent do promote themselves now that you say it. And and you being an established talent, you know, doing some pro bono work here and there is is uh, at your discretion. And you've already established where you're at with your own rates. So that is very different. Um, I guess I was just thinking about that person who's starting out and something that people may do at first when they're thinking, oh, well, I'll just, you know, get into this voiceover thing is that they will often charge a new client less money than they would want to simply as kind of like a lost leader to get them in to, yeah. to you know, hire me the first time and, and then I'll charge them later. Is that ever a good idea? And how hard is it to raise your rates after that? It's really hard to answer your question. So whatever rate you agreed to do a job for, don't expect that that client will ever want to pay you more for similar work. I think that's the way you have to, to approach that. 
That being said, and this, I guess, is a whole other topic, so I don't mean to get ahead of the conversation, uh, but I'm not opposed to doing work at a low rate uh, because it's like voiceover is no different than any other career or job path. You don't start off in the C-suite in a big corner penthouse office getting top pay. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But, but back to your question, though, if you, you know, if somebody says, um, you know, look, I can only pay a hundred bucks for this job that typically maybe you think you should get 300 bucks for. Don't, ex- if you take it, don't expect that they'll ever pay you $300. It's like the client that says, Hey, I've got this job. I can only pay you X number of dollars for this, but I've got to, I'm going to be getting more work in to give you later. Never count on that happening. I mean, if you want to take it at that rate, that's fine. What The way I would approach it is, you know, I tell you what, here's my rate and let's start off with that. And then if the jobs come in, then I'll give you the discount, a volume discount. Uh, but it's it's a slippery slope. Indeed it is. And that's why I've asked you the question, because so many people do think that, well, you know, just this one time or I could, you know, get them to work with me if I compromise on this or that. But you're training the client to work with you in a certain way that is unsustainable. Yes, there really is not just one time because the client will never forget that. If you, if you work for X number of dollars, they won't forget that. And when the, when the next job comes around and you're, you're quoting three times what you charge them the first time for the same type of job, they're going to say, well, wait just a second. And then you're going to say, and then it becomes very awkward. Well, I was just giving you that because you're a first-time client. Well, they don't see it. That's not the way they see it. It's not like a grocery store lost leader kind of situation. That's just not, they're not, they're not shopping for voiceover talent that way. I'm grateful that they're not because in that, what that <laughs> right. means is that Me they're too. actually looking for value. They're looking for your talent yes. and they want to reward you for all of the effort and the work you put into it, but also for being the right voice. For the right. job, you know, not just qualified. So um, all of this being said, let's pretend we're a brand new voice talent uh, trying to, you know, get work, maybe don't have a portfolio or much going on. Uh, but we know that we need to start building a rate card. So how do we go about figuring out what we should be charging for the various kinds of voiceover, given that we're new to the industry? Do you mean to tell you how I approach that? Back yeah. almost 17 years ago when I first got started. Uh, and by the way, let me just say this quickly. I think there's too much emphasis placed on having credits or portfolio. I'm not saying it's not important or that it doesn't help. But people, I think 90% of the equation is going to be your demos or your audition or both. I don't think people, most people are doing a lot of digging into your background to see what all you've done. It may help them make the final decision, but it doesn't mean... I tell my students all the time because because they'll ask me they'll say well you've done you know Chevy and Disney and uh, and Walmart I have nothing and I tell them well focus on what you do have because none of us had those when we first started so you know focus on on what you do have now back to how I approached this when I first started so the scenario was this um, the the job that I had had I'd worked it was an instructional design firm and uh, they were going out of business and so. I, my, my pay had been cut in half, and they were on their way out. And so essentially, I was losing my job. And so I had to replace income quickly. And I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I mean, from voiceover was a new world for me. And I assumed, for, and I don't know why, by, but I assumed in my mind, it was just, everything was different. It wasn't like anything else. It had its own rules of marketing and its own rules of dealing with client. What I found out was that business is business is business. I don't care if you're selling widgets or voiceovers. It's essentially 
the principles still apply, which I eventually learned, I, I eventually found out. And once I did, I thrived after that. But what I did was um, I knew what I needed to survive. I needed $200 a day to survive, to pay my mortgage, to pay the cars, feed my kids, you know, to, to, to keep everything afloat. That's what I needed. So that's, so I started off thinking, well, how can I make $200 a day? And Stephanie, um, at the risk of maybe raising a few eyebrows, I didn't care how I got the $200. I didn't care if it was a $200 job or if it was $20, $10 jobs. I was brand new. I needed the money to survive. So that was job one. So I, I cast a very broad net. I was marketing any place that I could to find whatever I could get. So I didn't have a rate card. Didn't, I, I didn't work with a rate card. I worked, I just, I found out what people were paying and I took on everything that I possibly could with the objective of filling my day with as much work as I could to meet that $200 a day, which I did actually relatively quickly. I mean, within a matter of, of a few months. Um, I think within six months, I'd actually exceeded that on a consistent basis. But once I, what happened was I filled up my day and I got to the place where then, well, now I've got to make room for new work. That is the point that I then began to, to negotiate to get better rates. So the way I would do that is I approached my current clients and said, due to the volume of work that I'm doing, I now need to charge you. So I had a reason for going in. It wasn't because of inflation or because I felt that I deserved more. It was simply, you know, something they could understand is that my docket's full. My book of business is I'm, I'm maxed out. I can't take on any more. And uh, because of that, I'll be, you know, I need to raise my rates. And I, and I say to what those rates were. To my surprise, half of my clients stayed with me. And by the way, I didn't, I didn't approach every client with this. I took the low, lowest producing clients who were paying the least amount. So I, I, I tiered them. So I took my bottom tier of client in terms of money, and I approached them first to, to make room. About half of them accepted the new rate, half of them left, which then allowed me to bring in new clients at higher rates. And I've done that. That is the philosophy I've, I've followed for the past almost 17 years now. And it's allowed me to build a bigger income than I ever would have imagined, you know, in voiceover. So whenever I get completely filled up, I just say, okay, what client is either causing me more hassle than they're worth or <laughs> just aren't paying me enough, you know, compared to maybe some other clients? And then I'll approach them uh, with the new rate. I like what you said about some clients being more hassle than they're worth. And oftentimes it's the clients who pay you the least amount of money, but expect the greatest things from you, you know? Almost always. You know, it is, I tell you what, they say, I'll pay you 25 bucks to do this. And I'm not against that. I'm just saying, but let's say they do that. And they may come back to you five times with changes, updates, because they, you know, it's off the cuff. They haven't thought through the script. They, you know, they didn't even listen to your demo. They just wanted it done fast. And they come back and come back and come back. And the person who's paying you $10,000 for like a national commercial. I, I'll never forget the Chevrolet Find New Roads campaign was by far the biggest, biggest job I ever landed. They used my audition. I didn't even have to do a session. They just used it. And that was the end of it. I got a paycheck. It was done. And it was the biggest paying client. And so there is a, like an inverse relationship to pay and hassle. And it's almost a universal principle that is rarely ever broken. Wow, that is a great story. And so do you find that the 80-20 rule is at play here? Like, you oh, know, you're, yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I, that's oh. like, I am so 
into that whole, the, the Pareto principle. It is uh, the 80-20 rule. It's, it is so true. I'm in the middle of listening to an audiobook about it. As a matter of fact, right before I got on with you today, I was listening to that book just to refresh my thinking on it. And I'm always, yes, it, it's in play. And I think occasionally you have to, sometimes I'll, I'll occasionally I'll print out a list through my accounting software to see my clients for the year and how much I made from each client. Who are my highest? And you might be shocked because you assume things and then you actually look at the numbers and think, oh, really? Um, and I look at my highest producing clients and my lowest producing clients. And from that, that's how I make my decisions based on who I'm going to keep and who I'm going to let go. And uh, But yeah, it's true almost always. Right. And you want to be working with clients that you enjoy working with and who pay you yes. well and don't give you a lot of hassle. So I know that there are probably many people listening right now who are digging themselves out of a hole of... I quoted too low. Now I'm stuck with these people. Maybe I'm going to lose half of them if I go about increasing my rates. But, um, you know, there's a lot at play right now. People need to raise their rates for any number of reasons because everything is more expensive these days. And, yeah. um, you know, there's no shame in starting out, uh, you know, getting what you can actually get at that time. Because one of the reasons why we started this company, Voices, was that we wanted to help voice actors to put food on their tables. It was as simple as that, you know, just... I really did appreciate what you said about, um, you know, raising your rates with those existing clients. Um, for talent who are looking to do that, you know, they haven't raised their rates in three, four years. Yeah. Uh, what is the best way for them to actually go about having that conversation? Yeah, uh, that's a good question because it really is, I think, how you approach it will um, decide in large part what happens because people can be easily offended uh, they need to understand, you know, where you're coming from. And one, I think one of the things that's so important to understand in, in a free market system, and this is a harsh reality, your value is not what you think you're worth. Your value is what somebody else thinks you're worth to them. Now, I can line up 10, 10 different clients, same job, and what they're willing to pay me, my value to them could be totally different, could be 10 different amounts based on the size of the company, uh, the reach of what's going, you know, what they're using, how long they're going to use it. Um, it's you know, one size, you know, do, doesn't fit all. But I think I think it's so hard for creative talent who want to feel good about themselves and think I have great value. And you do. You intrinsically, inherently have unlimited value, but not to the guy who's hiring you to, <laughs> for a voiceover. There's a price. There is a price tag that you're worth to that person. And then you have to decide whether you're willing to work for that or not. But in terms of of upping your rates or negotiating that whole process. Um, again, I mean, I like I like my approach because it's so easy in that I do wait. I don't see any reason to raise rates if I've got, you know, if I'm only doing like one job a week. You know, go out and find new clients who will pay you more because if they're willing to pay you more, if, if you, you can demand more in the market, then you're going to get it from other people. Then you can go back once your plate's full and say, you know, my, my day, you know, I, I'm full. I can't, I'm full. I can't take all my work because of that. I've had to raise my rates. This is my new rate. Uh, I've loved the opportunity to work with you. And by the way, I've never asked my clients to stay, stay with me. I thank them and say, I so appreciate the opportunity to work with you. Uh, but going forward, this is, this, this will be my new rate. Almost, I say it in such a way to acknowledge the fact that they probably won't be using me anymore. If they don't want to pay you what you want, Great, don't take it. But don't position yourself to them as, well, I'm worth this much. Well, right. they'll decide what you're worth. 
Yeah, because they have a budget. And I think that that's the point you're trying to make is that it isn't about you as a person. It's about you as a service provider. You know, it's not about Bill, you know, uh, the father and husband and, you know, dog owner and (laughs) got to feed the dog, right? It's not about that. It's about this voice artist that we're hiring to do this job and we've only got this much money. And and not everyone is obviously seeing it as, you know, a on a human level in that same way. Of course, they do recognize your humanity, but but it's not the same when you've got a budget and you can only hire talent for a certain amount. And and I love what you said also, we and we completely encourage this, a talent, always quote what you want to be paid. Don't just do work because it's what's on the table. Um, so many right. clients will post a job within a, a given range. And we find that oftentimes they're hiring talent who are quoting above the range. So, yes. you know, like, it's it's something just to keep there in your mind is that there are clients who are often new to voiceover or hiring in this way. Yeah. Maybe they've used to work through a third party and now they don't have that that relationship anymore. They're going direct and they're like, oh, I, I don't even know how much it costs. And, and they're guessing right. at times. And, you know, this isn't this, you know, it's not how it is for every client. But obviously there are some who are new, just like there are talent who are new. And they're trying to find out what my rate should be and what should I quote and, and how do I know. So another factor I know that, that should or maybe shouldn't, I don't know, you're the expert on this, go into the quote would be how much time you're spending on it, your studio time, perhaps maybe the editing. How does that all factor into the actual quote for the work? I don't think – don't put it on clients to to do the math and figure – I mean, they see – again, we're thinking from a marketing perspective, from their perspective. They're buying a product, a service, a result from you. They don't care necessarily how much time you spend. They don't care the equipment you use. All they want, or whether they, uh, the costs of doing a session, all they know is what am I paying for this outcome? And so when I'm quoting, I'm, I don't break it down. I'm not saying studio time, uh, you know, this, that, or the other. I'm saying that for a finished product, this is going to be the rate. And it includes, like, I will say maybe two rounds of minor revisions or pickups and I don't like to nickel and dime, not the pickups are necessarily nickels and dimes, but I, I want a client to feel comfortable. They hire me. Okay, I know I'm going to get the outcome I want. I'm not going to be surprised at the end with, that unless something really extraordinary happens, that number will be the number at the end. Mm-hmm. So so what you're saying is you bake in those costs. You don't I do. Show exactly. Them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I guess where I'm going with this bill is I'm just trying to figure out how does a talent know how to price those other things? They may, oh, a voiceover for this kind of work would cost this much, but how much is my editing time worth? Or how much is just, you know, I don't know what else they might be doing music. They might be adding royalty-free music. And like, how how might they think about what those items cost to, you know, obviously to package in that one price point? Well, you know, for me, again, I do, I do bake that into my rate. So for instance, if I'm doing e-learning, I know basically how long it's going to take me based on the word count. Unless it's an extraordinarily difficult, highly technical, even then I, you know, and I have a different rate for that as well. But the rate reflects that. So, you know, once I figure out, I know what kind of script it is, I know how many finished minutes it's going to be, I know about how long it's going to take me to do it. So my, my per finished minute rate reflects everything. It's all, it's all included in the price. That way they don't have to think about it. It's a, now the only difference, the only thing that I will say that I, that I add, and you brought it up, adding if somebody wants me to do a full production on something, because that's I am. I mean, I'm a, actually you know before being in voiceover, I I wrote and produced 
thousands and thousands of commercials. That was a big part of what, what I did. So I have that skill set, but I don't market it outside of my demo services for voiceover talent. I don't market production for commercials just because I make more money recording voiceovers. So for me, it's a 80-20 thing. I, you know, it's more profitable for me to do voiceover. But if a client wants me to do that, I can come back and say, okay, you know, I can do that for an extra number of dollars. I will look at that as a separate line item because it's not voiceover. It's something aside from voiceover, but everything else I don't, when it comes to my communication with the client, it's one price and it is baked in. It's all, I know how much time it's going to take based on what the project is. And it's going to be the same for every client. And that would be true. Let's say if they needed it done urgently, like, you know, turnaround time might also factor into these quotes too. Here's what I do, and I, I don't have I don't have a turn I don't charge people necessarily more for for you know if they're willing to pay the rate that I'm giving. I use that that's a negotiating tool for me. So here's how that would work. Let's say you came to me, and you had a project, and you needed it done urgently. Well, I, I I'll give you my rate card. This is my rate, and if you're if you're willing to pay that, great. We do it. I get it back to you quickly. But you say, oh, Bill, you know, that's not in the budget. I can only do it for X number of dollars. Well, now, now that's my negotiating. I've got mm-hmm. something to negotiate with. Okay, that's great. However, I, I can do that, but I need from you a little more time. Mm-hmm. I need an extra 24 or 48 hours. In a negotiating situation, it's a good idea to make sure that you're always getting something back for what you give so that it feels it feels like an equitable relationship between the two parties instead of you just saying, okay, I need a lower rate. Okay, no problem. I'll do it for less. And I need a fast. Okay, no problem. I'll do it fast. And I need this. And you're just, okay, okay, okay. Use it as a, as a negotiating tool. At least that's how I use it. I love it. My business is built around the fact that about half of everybody who comes to me, it's same day. Even a lot of my regular clients one thing that I've developed over the years, I'm very fast. I'm very efficient. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, I mean, I don't waste time. And I do a good job. It's not that I, that I rush anything, but I, I can crank out large volumes of work. I can edit it, get it all done and out the door surprisingly fast because of my background. And I mean, I've been, I don't, I won't give you a number of years, but for many decades, yeah, I've been recording and editing. And so I can just do it quickly. So it allows me in my business you know, if somebody comes to me with a 10,000 word project and they need it, so that's going to be about an hour of finished audio and they need it later today. If they're paying me the right rate, I can probably get that done. I'm not saying it'll be easy, but I, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't have everything so blocked out. I have certain things blocked out during the day when people need sessions. But other than that, it's, it's a free for, for all. And in terms of it would appear that way on the outside. My inbox is just people are just sending stuff in. Well, then my daughter, Mallory, who helps me out, she prioritizes those and says, okay, dad, here's, here's, you do this first, you do this second. Okay, what you're working on, pause it because this just came in. Do this. Let's take care of this 30-second commercial. Then you can get back to that 20-page e-learning that you're doing. And then, and so that's the way the day works. I love that, personally. It wouldn't work for everybody, but I think my skill set allows for it and my temperament allows for it. Yeah. Well, you've got to do what is right for, for what you need to do that day. Yeah. Obviously, like you've budgeted time and set aside, okay, well, half my business every day are new people just coming to me today. And then the other half are existing projects that I, you know, have just booked for my clientele and whatnot. Um, so I don't know, maybe people could start thinking about like, well, how many new clients do I expect to get a day? Or, or at a certain point in your career, 
you're going to have to find that balance between, you know, bringing in new people and, and maintaining your existing clientele and, and how much they right. need you. So I guess that's just a balancing act that everyone has to figure out um, when they are in the thick of it, because there's really no other way to figure out, well, what's it going to be like? But I think being flexible and open-minded and um, agile are really great yes. traits for talent to have, because you never know when that big huge job is going to drop on your doorstep. Right. And if you're not the one, you know, ready to take it or to do it, then they will find someone else because you just weren't ready and, and it wasn't uh, within your, your schedule. And Stephanie, that's especially important if you want to do a high volume of work, because I want to do, I want to do the highest volume of work at the highest rate that I possibly can. So my, you know, my day starts at eight o'clock and I'll, I only work maybe till three thirty, four, four thirty, just depending on what's going on later, if, if, sometimes if needed. But during that day, I want to be busy. I want to be recording and editing, and it's controlled chaos. It would look chaotic from the outside, but it's a very controlled chaos. It's like, think of air traffic controller. That's kind of what, like, the, the function my daughter serves for me. And she's controlling all the chaos and just giving me this, that, and that. And by the end of the day, all bases are covered, everybody's satisfied, and then we move on to the next Oh, everybody needs a Mallory at this point in their life to help them <laughs> sort through their work, that. it sounds like, you know, and, and when you get established in the way that you are, Bill, um, you can outsource some of that, be it your editing, sure. be it, you know, someone to um, orchestrate or air traffic control. Uh, but I think we have so much more to talk about on another day. We've now like, I just, would love oh, it. we've scratched the surface here. And well, thank you so much, Bill. <laughs> so before we go um, again, like what is the best way that people can get a hold of you? The best way to contact me is through Bill DeWeese, that's D-E-W-E-E-S, live.com, BillDeWeeseLive.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Bill. Thanks, Stephanie. My pleasure. And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. Thank you so much for listening and for following Vox Talk. It's always so much fun to see you. And thank you to our special guest, Bill DeWeese. And it's just, oh my gosh, it's just so many good things that have come out of today's episode. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli, host of Vox Talk from Voices. Our producer is Jeff Bremner. Thank you for listening and for watching, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.